Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of The Green Room, the podcast brought to you by the Newtown Players in Lexington Park, Maryland. I am your host, Stacey Oosterink, and I am here with the bosses. Uh, that means I am here with my producers, Kenneth Faison and Stacey Park. And today we are going to bring you horror stories from the stage. Um, we have all been there. We've all done that. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so This is the episode we've been waiting on for months <laughs> because we get to talk about some of the worst stuff that's ever happened to any of us and to some of our friends who were kind enough to tell us their embarrassing stories. Um, yeah, some at Newtown, some at other places. So, yeah. You want me to go first? I'll go first because I... Stace, I think we were putting you in the hot seat. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you're going to put me in the hot seat, then you're going to get that biggest horror story of my life on stage or off, probably. So it was probably, yikes, long time ago, probably close to 15, 16, it, 20 years ago, maybe. It was 21 years ago. Oh, Lord. Because I was, I had a brand new baby and she's 20 now. Okay. Oh my goodness. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we were doing with another theater company, we were doing noises off, which is a very famous British farce, um, hysterically funny. And it is one of those shows about all the things that can go wrong in a show. So You'd think, oh, well, that's easy. Nobody's going to know, except it's really not because it's really, really orchestrated and it's really, really hysterical. And it's on Newtown's upcoming season. So um, we I'm just trying to make sure that we don't ever repeat this mess ever again. So 20 years ago, um, we're doing Noises Off <laughs> and we'd done three weekends in what is now the Rex Theater in Leonardtown. Um, all the way in the back is an old movie theater, and we actually did the show there. There wasn't much of a backstage area. We had rehearsed this thing in the freezing cold, and, you know, it's like, and I remember it was Mother's Day weekend was our closing weekend. So we did the first two weekends, and everything was cool and groovy. And then we're coming up on closing weekend and we are getting ready to do what our brush up rehearsal, you know, we got through it twice or whatever. So we gotten or going to our brush up rehearsal on Wednesday and the director walks in and he has an expression on his face that I've never, ever seen before. And that is because he had received an email from three of our castmates that they were not going to be able to do the shows that upcoming weekend. That something catastrophic had happened, their families were on the line, and they were not going to be able to do the shows. Um, now, what... Yeah, three... I mean, this is not a huge cast to begin with. Yeah, it's like eight. <laughs> so losing... You're basically losing half of your cast. Yeah. So unbeknownst, yeah. unbeknownst to us, I'm going to keep this, I'm going to keep this PG and I am not making any value judgments, y'all. Y'all do what y'all want to do in your personal lives. But these three people, a man and two women in our show were in a 
um, symbiotic, all-at-once relationship. Yeah. Indeed. And apparently, yeah. the, so two of them were already married, and then the, uh, the, thir- the additional one, the add-on, I don't know if her husband found, I don't know. <laughs> All I know is the poo-poo had hit the fan, and they were not coming. Big time. And nope. we all went, what? Nope. So a decision had to be made. Stacy was our PR person. A decision had to be made. We had sold tickets. We'd sold quite a few tickets. It was closing <laughs> weekend. Yeah. Mother's Day. And the decision was made, and um, the director was my yeah. brother. He still is my brother, but but he was our director at the time. So um, the decision was made, okay, look, we have a director and we have an assistant director, both of whom know the lines and the blocking. And we pulled my brother's wife in to the show as the character that is the stage manager and said, we're going to give her a... Uh, we're going to, she, she's a stage manager, so she could have a script. <laughs> so the, we did, <laughs> we did a show like that. Um, and it was rough. It was, it was, we bounced our way through it. <laughs> um, with a, but it's, it's noises off. So it's supposed right? to be it rough. Was, and it was rough, but people, because it's so chaotic, people really didn't seem to notice too bad. And then um, my brother had pneumonia. We found out he had pneumonia. A fever of like almost 104. Um, it's just, I shouldn't mention, this is a two-level set. He was running up and down the stairs. He couldn't breathe. So for the final show, he took a different role. And we pressed... Greg Rump took him out of his role and put him into the first role. So now we had four people completely out of place. And um, the girl who was playing. Right. Right. The girl who was playing Belinda and myself were, I think we may have been the, oh no, the guy playing Freddie was the same. The, the, the girl playing Belinda and myself just yeah. said. Because Larry was yeah, still there. The, we just said, look. We're going to grab a hold of you and drag you where you need to go. Just follow us. We will make this work. We had people stashed <laughs> in the set to open the door so that people didn't, and we were pushing them through the doorways and all of that stuff. I remember succinctly the <laughs> highlight of the weekend was after act two, which is complete chaos and done pretty much in silence because you get to see the back of the stage. Um, I pulled Greg, I pulled Greg Rumpf off stage and there is no backstage in this theater. So we were out in the alley and as we cleared the doorway, Greg Greg (laughs) Rumpf looked at me and said, I don't know what that was, but it wasn't act two. And we just said, just keep going. (laughs) Just keep going. So the characters that you lost were... Blair and Poppy was and was Poppy uh, Poppy Poppy Brooke and Gary Brooke Poppy and Gary yeah yeah Poppy Brooke and Gary so 
Jackie was trying to step in to Gary's part, the guy that falls down the stairs and gets punched in the nuts with the phone and has to climb through, and he's got double pneumonia. Well, and he's also... Right? Right, right. And he's my character's love interest. So it's me and my brother. Right. It was a little (laughs) awkward. So awkward. <laughs> I can only imagine. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. So, yeah. Have you done something like that? You just, you look at it and say, everything else, I, I can handle it. If, as long as I don't lose half my cast, I can handle it. I mean, I've, I can see losing, a like, the cast members. Well, so here was, so we get, we get through the weekend and everybody's like, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, we are so glad you enjoyed it. And I mean, all of us, just the highest state of anxiety ever. We come down, you know, we strike the set. We never see these three again. The next we hear is our producer, who was also a principal at Charles County Public Schools for years and years, Carol Geck, writes the most eloquently scathing letter to these three people um, and just lets them have it about letting us down. Um, I wish I had, I wish I had preserved that letter because it was a work of art, but there's the biggest nightmare I probably have ever been through in my, never mind on stage in my life. You have a cast of, well, let's see. It's Lloyd and Dottie and Gary and Freddie and Tim, so that's five, and Belinda and Poppy and Brooke, right? And Selston. So there's nine total. We lost three. Right. And then halfway through. So you lost a third of your cast. Yeah, we lost a third of the cast, and then we had to go to four, so almost 50%. Yeah, so there you go. Top that, people. Wow. Get- that, <laughs> wow. You know, that came in really strong. Y'all. That, you- is a, that is a strong story to start with. Yeah. So I'm just saying it was a hot mess. Hot mess. So that's what that was. That was it. And y'all just enjoy your little showmances. But understand this is what can happen if you showmance too much. Show must go yeah. on. The show must Indeed. go on. All right. Who's going to tee up the next one? Kenny? I'll, you got I'll, this? I will do it. You know what? So since Stacy started with her story, I guess I'll go with my, I'll go with my horror story first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so I like to call this the funniest mishap that has ever happened to me on the Newtown Player stage. Huh. Okay. So you got to think all the way back. It's 26. It's our 2016, 2017 season. And we are doing twas the night before Christmas. Now the set that tried to break the sets, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we'll get, I'm gonna get there. So in this show, I got to play two different characters. My first character was Wendell Sneed and my second character, once the char- once the main characters go to the North Pole, I'm like the villain's right-hand 
idiot henchman named Mulch. So, but we're not talking about Mulch. This happened when I was Wendell Sneed. So I wanted, I always like to say the best part about that show was the set because it was amazing. Like we had, and so for those who might not have seen it, let me paint you this picture. We had these super dope walls that would rotate to distinguish the difference between Uncle Briarly's house and Santa's workshop. And when they weren't in use, normally they would be locked in place. Well, my first character, Wendell, he's a lot, like very much extra. <laughs> For like those who know me, like I'm extra, but when I did Wendell, he was like on 10 and that's what Tim wanted. Tim quite literally told myself and Meg Pugh, who, played, who plays opposite of me in that scene as Britannia, that we are basically this whirlwind of craziness that comes in and quite literally we timed it every night we did this scene me and meg were on stage for exactly one minute and 30 seconds that's I can't how believe I, that's all it was that's <laughs> how quickly we pumped this scene out well so there it's it's one of the show nights everything is going great I'm in a super good mood and I came in and I was like, I was pumped to do this show tonight. So we come, I come in and there's a point where in the scene, I have to go and to, to the door that I came into and scream for my wife, Britannia played by Meg and say, you got to come here. You got to come see, you got to come see Briarly. Well, on my way to doing this, I accidentally, in all of my excitement, hit the wall. So the wall, which was not locked in place for this oh, one no. night, starts to move. And all I see on one side <laughs> of this door, because I'm in the door, like split, <laughs> I see Meg and one of our amazing stage heads, Kyle, bear grab the wall and hold on with dear life and they look at me and i'm trying not to break and so i'm like oh my goodness what do i do i look back at steve steve's trying not to break because steve is like i cannot believe you just did that and so the only thing that <laughs> that came to my mind was i've got to point this out so i turn around before i finish my line to call for meg look steve dead in the eyes and go you should really get that wall fixed <laughs> and proceed on with the rest yes. of the <laughs> this was so this was so funny that i remember the audience had this was probably the the one time me being on newtown stage that i heard the audience laugh so loud and so hard like it it felt like it was 10 minutes when they were, it was probably shorter, but everybody was cackling. Like I could see visibly in the booth, whoever was our lighting <laughs> and sound workers that night were hunched over in laughter. That's awesome. I love oh, that. Yeah. And <laughs> because at this point in the show, those walls hadn't rotated yet. Nobody knew that the walls were supposed oh, to rotate. Oh. So for all the audience knew, Kenny yeah. broke the set. Right, they, like, I'm thinking, like, they're thinking quite literally broke the set. And they so, thought he knocked down a wall. <laughs> and so this is like the one thing that has always followed me since I've done, in my time at Newtown, everybody looks at me every time I go into an audition who, know, who knows this story and, um, <laughs> and they all look at me and go the same thing. You're not going to break the set this time, are you? I was like, it was one time and I didn't break it. 
but it was the one of the funniest improv lines that I have gotten to do or has probably been said thus far on that so, stage. <laughs> so I will take absolutely. my win. Good for you it. for coming up with something to say. I mean, what do you do at that point? I mean, wow. <laughs> wow. I can just imagine the stagehand hanging because I saw that set. Yeah. I, I'm just imagining that Kyle, the stagehand, hanging, like clamped around that wall, like, please don't move. Please don't move. Him and Meg, when I tell you, I thought Meg, like her nails sprouted <laughs> like anime characters and just grabbed the wall because <laughs> they were holding on for dear life. Because it's not just Steve in the room at this point. We also had our Proteans on stage who were super great. And all of them are also cackling. So it does not help. Right. <laughs> well, and on the back side of the wall, which nobody had seen yet, it it's not just a wall that's rotating. It's a wall filled right, with Because you're toys. going to Santa's workshop. So there are wooden toys and stuffed toys. And had that hit too hard, all of those toys would come tumbling down as well. <laughs> Well, some of the toys, luckily, were glued down or taped down. Right, we taped but, a bunch um, of them down. But I was so glad that they were there because nobody, like, on the, like, stage left area saw the toys. They just saw, everybody saw the wall kind of rotate and then go immediately back. Right. Wow. <laughs> but, yeah. There's some poor stagehand standing backstage holding the set well, up go. for the rest of the show. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the funniest mishap that that's happened to me at Newtown. That's a good one. <laughs> that's a good good. One. All right, Stacy, you're up. Yeah, I know you and I have been doing this a long time, so I know you have to have a few. Uh, yeah, so this is actually one I don't even think you knew this one. Um, so this was in 2002. We're going way the heck back there. Um, I was playing Nellie Forbush in Patuxent Playhouse's production of South Pacific, for which I was going to say I directed director. that show. Um, Right, but you weren't backstage with us when we were doing the show. No, I was calling so the show out front. <laughs> you get to hear this story. <laughs> you get to hear this one for the first time. I mean, there's there's a ton of stories from this show. And anybody who's ever acted me, with me has heard the story of Joe Bowes forgetting his line in the opening of Act 2. Joe was playing the, yeah, Joe was playing the yep. commandant, commander of the troops. And he comes out to uh, address his troops during the USO show and he gets the microphone and he looks out at the troops and he says, yes, I've forgotten my line. And of course the audience, <laughs> the audience goes berserk. Um, and he waits like a good actor for it to die down. And then he says, and it's not coming back to me. So I'll go on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> At which point, the audience and all of the sailors sitting on the front of the stage are dying laughing. Um, and he stayed in character, did not break at all, waited for the laughter to subside and went on like nothing else had happened. Um, it was hilarious. But the story that I really wanted to share is one that I'm pretty much just me and the stagehand that picked me up off the floor know about. So same scene, I'm about, that curtain's about to go up for act two and I was waiting in the wings. I'm dressed in a white Cracker Jack sailor uniform 
And anyone who doesn't know me out there knows, would not know that I am five feet tall. And at this point in my life, I was all of 115 pounds. I, yeah, I you were tiny. tiny little thing. Yeah, that was a small, and I am wearing Greg that was a small suit. Yeah. I, that, yeah. And, and we went, oh, no, no, it's got to be bigger. So we got no, Greg's. No, no. No, I remember the first Greg Rumps. Right. So the first, but remember oh. we 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 fit you in the small yeah. first, and we and you know wisely decided, oh no no, we're gonna put her in a big one. And Greg Rumpf, again, God love him. Greg says, well, I used to be a sailor. Greg's huge. So sure enough, okay, I I'm with you. Go ahead. <laughs> Literally, I'm I'm holding the pants up the entire time I'm on stage because I've got you know the polka dotted briefs underneath that you know the pants are supposed to fall off and the the little bloomers are supposed to show up so literally holding my pants up the entire time so here i am i'm in greg's cracker jack and i realize that the curtain's about to open i don't have my mic i'm supposed to be holding a prop mic for this scene and i have left it on the prop table so i go running to the prop table to grab my mic and in my frantic rush to get back to place before the curtain opened, I completely forgot about set dressing. I completely forgot about the black footlocker that was sitting right behind the curtain on the floor. And now, for anyone who has not been backstage in the seconds before the curtain goes up, it is dark. It is, we're not talking go to the bathroom at two o'clock in the morning dark. We're talking, shown my, a light in my eyes for 10 minutes and then I tried to find my way to the bathroom dark. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, dark, it, dark. It's dark. And so uh, <laughs> on this night, I, I missed my mark spectacularly. I found the black footlocker on the black stage in the dark, and I found it hard with my oh, shin, no. which sent me flying face first to the floor. And oh, as no. I hit the deck, literally, like sprawled out, face first on the deck, the microphone that I had gone running for pops out of my hand and rolls oh, no. under the curtain <gasps> to the audience side of the curtain. <laughs> so, at this point, all I'm thinking about is this microphone. I'm, I'm probably black from head to toe from sliding across this floor in my white costume. I'm probably bleeding, but all I can think about is I need that microphone. So I get down on on the floor and I peek underneath of the curtain and I can see it just just barely out of reach. So I sneak my little hand <laughs> under the curtain <laughs> to try and grab this thing before anybody notices. Um, Found it, got it back under the curtain. Nobody's giggling on the other side. So I guess they did not see it. Uh. So I get myself up. I have no idea what color the front of this suit is at this point. It's a borrowed suit. It might have a hole in the shin from where I caught this locker. I reached down. I, I checked. I was like, okay, no holes. No guarantee there's not blood. But the curtain opened. I gave it a quick glance. No blood. <laughs> Hurts like heck. But I went ahead and did the honey bun song. It was fun. Um from that point on, we set that prop uh, on front of the stage, in front of the curtain. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did not find it again um, in the dark. But yeah, some, some poor little stagehand <laughs> helped me up 
off the floor, helped me dust myself off. I don't even remember who it was at this point. It was probably the person that was pushing the button um, to yeah. open the curtain. But yeah. yeah. So I, oh my God, Stacy, I was, I called those shows and I had no idea. So apparently you weren't dirty or bloody because I would have known. Um, I did, I do remember no. this, the, the footlocker that from that point, from you know, being changed, but I never knew why it was just a, it's in the way backstage is what I was told. <laughs> it was, it's, and I'm like, okay, no big deal. It's fine. It's fine. Wow. <laughs> Boy, was it in the wow. way backstage. <laughs> um, we're going to have to do this again. Be- yeah. Well, so that, so was that show, I, we're going to have to do this again because there's another story to be told about um, that show and the dark. Just I'll tee that one up. So, uh, yeah, there's another. Oh. <laughs> yeah. God, that was All a long right. time ago. That that show had no end of good stuff happening. That yes. was just so that a lot show. Of fun stuff. That show was twenty years ago. Um, that show was so Great Mills High School had just gotten a new drama teacher, and they did not have a drama program. But they had a drama program, but they didn't have money or anything for a musical, and so. We did that in partnership with Great Mills High School and so that those high school students could have a musical. And that's what we did. That explains why there were so many teenagers Absolutely. in that it's show. for Great Mills High School. <laughs> yep. That's yep. Awesome. We had, oh my, we... Um, Okay, so I had one sent in, and Stacey, you know this story intimately, so you can provide color commentary. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it verbatim, and then I'll stop, and you can tell me who it's from. Okay, hello. So I was in (laughs) a Christmas story. I was playing Ralphie. (laughs) You can stop right there. I know exactly who it is. But that's okay, not the best so, part of the story. Um, yeah. So <laughs> this story is actually from my son and his his biggest nightmare on stage. Um, obviously, everybody knows that the big part in a Christmas story is when Ralphie finally gets his Red Rider BB gun. It's kind of what the whole play leads up to. The whole classic Christmas story, the entire thing leads up to that moment. When we went to do this show, this specific scene, I think that it is was the story. <laughs> it is. The whole story is, you know, about this Red Rider BB gun. He says, when we went to do this show, this specific scene, I think it was a matinee. I'm not 100% sure. But we went to do this scene and I came down for Christmas morning and Carlton Silvestro, who was playing my dad, went to go get the box that the gun was in from behind the tree and it wasn't there. It just wasn't there. Kenny's <laughs> face. So for those who, because you guys are listening at home, you cannot see my face. My jaw just dropped. You wait a minute. So not, was it, it was not tree? behind the tree. It was not yeah, on the so stage at all. We <laughs> set this up, and I knew that there was something wrong when this scene started 
because we had set this up beautifully. Um, we had created a literally a blanket of ripped wrapping paper. We had taken a clear plastic drop cloth and we had unwrapped packages and duct taped the wrapping paper that had been shredded onto this clear drop cloth so that we could just lay it out like a blanket on Christmas morning and it looked like they had just opened all of their presents and the drop cloth wasn't there. And so I'm sitting here going, something's not right. Something's not right. Something's <laughs> not right. And I'm just, I'm watching as the director, I'm just watching this unfold. And I had no idea whether the box was there, but I'm sitting there biting my nails going, I hope the box is there. And the box wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, so go ahead, Stace. Carlton did right. not so find it wasn't the box there. behind so the tree. So Carlton says, oh, Santa must have left it out on the porch. Great improv skills. He went out there. He got the box. He came back in. I opened it up. And here's the catch. There's no gun in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I, I and Bradley looks up. <laughs> so Bradley Bradley looks up and Bradley looks up at Carlton and says, "Where's the gun?" <laughs> or where's the gun? He says, "Where's yeah. the gun?" <laughs> Obviously, the first thought that popped into his head came right out of his mouth. And so Carlton replies, "Oh, uh Santa must have left that out there too." And he runs backstage probably freaking out and he comes back in carrying it in one hand and triumphantly says i found it he says now i'm sure the audience got a massive <laughs> kick out of it but um yeah definitely a horror story for sure now bradley was like 12 he hadn't had a lot of experience yeah he was like 12 was and okay in his defense he looked like he was like eight or nine because baby face and all of that. But he also hadn't had a whole heck of a lot of experience. And so, you know, this tragic look of, he, Kenny, he had the look that you had on your face with the jaw down and eyes just huge. <laughs> and he just goes, where's the gun? Just, and it was the, I can, it, was, it, it was the perfect reaction. It was the saddest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Like Brad, I can literally hear him. I can hear Brad saying that in my mind of just being like so shocked. Where's like, the gun? Yeah. It's not here. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a very good reason why the gun was not in the box. We had it in our budget to buy one right. Red Rider BB gun for this event. Um, Bradley dreams about it throughout the entire show and he's holding it not in a box but as if he already owns it throughout the whole entire show so having our one gun we pre-wrapped a box every night and left one end open so that after brad was done using it throughout the show our stagehand would throw it in the box seal that end and stick it behind the tree right well this was jeff mar's first show his son <laughs> was in the show and he said, I will be your stage manager every night. I will I will run your props backstage. This was Jeff's one night off. It was the 
only day that he could not make it. And so Jeff had been doing the wrapping of the box, the stuffing of the box and the placing of the box. Uh, apparently that message didn't get to whoever it was that was replacing him that day because it failed epically. Now, this was fairly far into the show. Um, and at this point, Jeff comes back and we tell him <laughs> this horror story. He goes, well, I have a, a Red Rider BB gun. I could just bring in a second one. <laughs> like, Jeff, you've been wrapping this box nightly and you didn't think to tell us you had one? So... <laughs> That just sounds like Jeff. Like, oh yeah, I have one. Right. Wait, you've had this the whole time. Yeah. Right, and you didn't think to bring it in? <laughs> so, uh, from that night on, we used two Red Rider BB That's hilarious. Well, so here's the thing. The only reason, and I got to give props to both props. <laughs> I got to give props to both Bradley and Carlton. And Jeff, who had drilled it into Bradley's head where you put the gun. That's And Bradley had put it back where it was supposed to go. And that is why Carlton was able to find it. So good job, Jeff Marge. Don't ever take a day yes. off again. Um, but, but yeah, don't Moral ever. Of story. You can't of take days story. off. You just can't. So anyway, yeah, I thought that was that was pretty funny. So, all right, Kenny, tee up another one. I know we've, we've had a couple come in on the mailbag, so. All right. We did. So this next one, I was a part <laughs> of, and I think it's the funniest thing. And Stacy, once again, the lovely producer, Stacy, Stacy Park, you were the lovely director for this. So this next story comes from one of my very good friends, Emily Quay. <laughs> I love that he's laughing already. You know it's, it's going to be so good. Okay, here we go. So, in so from Emily, she says, "In the most recent show I did, I love you, you're perfect. Now change." There was a lot of props and even more costume changes. In the scene before intermission, I had about 30 seconds to change out of a basic dress into a big poofy wedding dress with train, veil, bouquet, ring and the shoes. Thankfully, I had some wonderful ladies to help me get in the dress as quickly as possible. So for those who don't know, I'm just going to tee this up. For I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change, all of the characters, there were four of them, all of them had their own costumers backstage helping them get ready. I was included in this for helping um, Emily's, in this particular scene, the guy that she's marrying, Chad, I was his help. So... <laughs> This was the one night that um, Emily's main costumer, my sister Christina, could not actually be at the show. So, oh no, one night, I'm sensing a theme. You can't yeah. take the night off. Yes. <laughs> so, Mama, oh, you're gonna love this. Too late. The two ladies who would usually assist me were both unavailable. So we enlisted the help of our amazing music director, Kylie. <laughs> Oh, dear. Now to preface, this dress was, for lack of a better word, a bitch. <laughs> it had two zippers, and it was just an explosion of tool and poof. So getting it on as quickly as possible was very challenging. 
So the show is going along and I get to my quick change. Everything goes well. And Kylie zips me up. I give my castmates the signal and from the wings to start the entrance. And I enter the stage and start the scene. As Chad, my fake husband, is saying his vows to me, I feel the zipper in my dress start to fall, to make its descent. Oh no, she's coming I'm unzipped? panicking internally. Oh, he's coming unzipped. Mind you, we're watching this from the wings and we're seeing it fall. And Kylie's face, <laughs> I would like for everyone to know, was a face of terror. Because Kylie was like, I zipped up the zipper. And I remember asking Kylie, I was like, did you get the second zipper? And she looked at me and was like, there was a second zipper. <laughs> this story gets so much better. I would like to point out. So Emily's panicking internally and all the while acting like she's so excited and everything is peachy keen on stage. I quickly realized the more I move around, the faster the zipper slides down. Oh, and so Emily says to herself, oh my God, can the audience tell? What underwear did I wear today? Hopefully something cute at least. Okay, just stand still and don't move. <laughs> Shit, you moved. Oh, it's falling even more. Bitch, do not miss it. Do not miss your cue. These were all racing through my head as I feel the dress start to slide off of me. By the theater gods, we make it to the end of the scene as my poor <laughs> zipper is hanging on <laughs> for dear life. Thankfully, it was a blackout because my train and my train and I ran as fast as I could in heels backstage to discover the second zipper set had never been zipped. Although it was my most panicked costume and malfunction, nothing beats the time I had to shove tights filled with rice down my shirt to create the illusion of a double D cup size while playing Dolly Parton's character in 9 to 5. And some nights leaving a, sight, a slight trail of rice as if I was leading, um, leading a trail for some critters. And so basically, she was like, so there you have it. In the moment, almost flashed the entire, I almost flashed the entire audience because of my awful 80s inspired wedding dress. You're so hoping I never have to make a, have to make 20 quick changes in wow. a show again. Okay, so I was the producer for that show. And when Stacey so, said to me, look, we're going to have all these costume changes. And I'm like, how are they going to do this? And But the setup was ingenious. So, I would like to point out, backstage for that show was a monster. Because nobody ever saw what really was going on backstage, unless you were backstage, which was always hysterical. So, the night that this happened, I would like to point out, because Kylie deserves the biggest of hand claps, because she was on it. She was like, act one, she was getting Emily out and, like... Sometimes with this amazing amount of time to spare, Kylie was getting these quick changes for Emily gone. Well, she was only half dressing her. We That's have had, why. there were, <laughs> right. And I will say there were a few nights where that damn wedding dress gave us all of the problems. <laughs> and it was, that wedding scene, because there was one night that Emily did not talk about that I'm going to quickly bring up because it's very funny. There was one night that we, Emily was supposed to go out Tina and um, her other costumer, Emily Johnson, um, were both there. So they were getting Emily out double quick. Well, this one night, we cannot find Emily's bouquet. Emily's bouquet is on the other side of the stage, on the other prop table. Because, we, mind you, this show had three prop right. tables. 
So what do I do? I grab the bouquet, look at Tina and Emily, sees that they've got Emily done. Emily has just signaled Neil to start, by the way, Stacy. So all of us that, so the only thing running through my mind, I got to get this bouquet to her as quickly as possible. So all you see, I tossed the bouquet. I quite literally, as we said it backstage, <laughs> I yeeted the bouquet to Emily. Yeah. <laughs> Who catches it? Mind you, Emily caught this this bouquet with one hand and puts it in her and other and walks on stage. Good. That happened probably what was the Best best time, but Stacy, I would like you to know that damn wedding dress was the funniest thing about that entire show. That was a, that was a terrific show. Stacy, you that muted. show was so good, <laughs> so good. Look, she, she she has muted herself. This is how it works. She is. She has muted herself. <laughs> <laughs> I give up. We got you. Can you guys hear me now? Okay. So yes, we can. The funniest horror story <laughs> podcast is when one what of our it? one of our hosts decides to mute herself, and we could we knew you were talking. We just didn't have any clue what you were saying. <laughs> it's all it's good. Fine. It's it wasn't all good. important. But I was just going to tell you why that stupid dress was so big. <laughs> <laughs> we, we found the biggest dress we could find so we could literally just throw it over her like a potato sack so it was easily eight sizes too right. big for emily which is why there was the second zipper so the first one is the original zipper and then we installed the second one like four inches over so that she could zip it up and it actually fit her so without that second zipper it was just a potato sack on her it quite literally was. And props to where credit, giving credit to where credit is due. Kylie did her absolute best. But Kylie was in such a state of horror. I mean, for all of you guys back there dressing them, the, the list, each of them had their very own costume rack. Like they were taking up an entire rack all by themselves. And then each dresser had a pin sheet on the wall that said you're gonna take off their socks and you're gonna put on their shoes and you're gonna take off their pants and you're gonna put on a skirt and um just for every single scene what was coming off and what was going on and when they weren't changing they were hanging up all of these costumes so that we didn't have costumes laying everywhere backstage and it, it was, was just incredible oh it's not only just like hanging them back up but also having that next costume immediately yeah. ready to go so we were always constantly paying attention to the show oh yeah it was a beautiful well orchestrated ballet backstage and you guys did us proud i think that um, was part was... of the impressive nature you know in, in addition to there only being four people playing all of those characters the fact that those four people always came out in a fresh costume Oh, absolutely. It was, it was absolutely oh, terrific. Now, here's the thing. You can't, <laughs> that's it. From now on, the rule is if any of us are involved, no one takes a day off. Period. Ever. No one takes a day off. That's Period. It. However, in this event, it was Tina well, who had to take a day off. So I'm going to play. There <laughs> you go, Tina. Tina and Jeff, I tell you what. Now you guys know how much we need you. All right, and Stacey, you've got our last story for the evening. I think I do. I got to find it. Where'd I put it? You sound like the gun. 
Oh, really? I might not have it. <laughs> Where did it go? Where's the story? <laughs> All right. Where's so well, here, while you're looking for your story, I want to tell everybody, we're going to do this again. And I want to invite everyone. Because look, this, this podcast is listened to by actors, directors, producers, stage people. Um, you all have horror stories. Send them to us, okay? Send them to us. Podcast at newtownplayers.org. Send them to us. Um, you can even, here's the thing. You, if you don't have time to write it, drop us a voice note and send it to us. We could invite you to be on a future podcast and you could tell the story yourself. There's nothing an actor likes better than telling a horror story, let me tell you. <laughs> Yay. All right, I found it. Woo! Woo! So this one is actually from an NTP show. So during NTP's 2007 run of Blythe Spirit, uh, for which I got to play, uh, we called her Elvira. I know that her name is supposed to be Elvira, but I got to play a ghost. And Dave Kaiser sent me this most amazing set for me to destroy every night with my ghostly powers. It was fantastic. Kudos to Dave. Um, but during this run, we had several actors on our set who, for whatever reason, were just struggling to memorize their lines. Um, getting off book was slow. Even after the director took away our scripts, one of the actors decided to stash her script in the sofa cushions of the prop <laughs> sofa that had been donated specifically for this show. This is the first time that this sofa had appeared on our set. It was a lovely extra long camelback sofa that fit perfectly into the mid-century European aesthetic. It's the it's the brownish orange plastic camelback okay. sofa that we still Okay, I know have. exactly what sofa it is. Um, oh, that's yeah. okay. Yep, you know exactly which sofa it is. We've used it many times over the years. It's still stashed in the prop storage. Um, so feeling a bit of a prankster, because if you've ever worked with me, you know I have that tendency. Excellent. And uh, wanting to encourage her to get off book. I snagged the script <gasps> and I, and I hit it backstage. We were still rehearsing okay, good. to be fair, but I hit it backstage. I knew, I knew where it was, but she should not have had the script on stage. No, right. if it was a show night anyway, but <laughs> right. I'm with you. I hit, I hit the script just to encourage, right? I told myself I was yeah. helping her by taking away the crutch and she'd get off book sooner. If she had to make do without the script, that was what I told myself. As expected, she had a moment of forgetfulness and she went diving into the sofa cushions. Now, she doesn't sit on the sofa and take the script out. She dives over the back of the sofa into the sofa cushions to get the script out. This is how she always did it. Didn't find it. It wasn't where she thought it should be. But she was sure it was in there. So she went back a second time. Still finding no script. She starts feeling around in the cushions. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't dig in the sofa cushions. Oh, no, couch. no. Weird stuff hangs like popcorn, dog hair, hair ties. God only knows what you're going to find in the sofa cushions of a couch. This is a donated couch. We've oh. never seen this couch before. And she is up to her elbows <laughs> in this couch. I mean, she is all in. <laughs> At this point. This, this scene has come to a screeching halt. The director has seen the couch diving. 
there's a ruckus all over the stage. Everybody knows she's looking for a lost script. Next thing I know, she jumps up triumphantly like she has just won the lottery. And she shouts, I found the remote! <laughs> she is actually holding a television remote control in her hand. Like, like it's <laughs> touched down and she's got both <laughs> arms in the air. And she... <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who has not seen Blythe Spirit, there is not um, a TV what... on the set. It wasn't a prop. It <laughs> came with the sofa. Somewhere, someone is missing a remote control and it's in our prop closet. <laughs> so if you are missing your remote control, so circa 2007. <laughs> because you donated a couch to us. It. If you still have that TV, come and see us. Let us know. You know what? Somebody's been... We've still got the remote control. It's in the prop Somebody's shop. been telling their kids, get up and change the channel. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's children. From 2007, you bet they correct. are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, Stacey, at least that didn't happen on stage. <laughs> No, it was not a show night. She she mostly got off book by by show night. There was there was a scene where um those two characters have a lot of conversation together over breakfast and we had we had lines pasted in the newspaper, we had lines pasted on the the bottom of the breakfast dishes and it was anybody's guess what was going to come out of their mouths for however many minutes they decided to have a conversation. It wasn't the conversation that was in the script, but it well, was a conversation every night. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm standing off stage going, somewhere there's a cue. Somewhere there's a cue yeah. in here. I could really just, I could pick any moment and just walk on stage. <laughs> sometimes you just have to. There's a cue. Look, sometimes you just got to take it and say, I thought I heard my voice. That's a line from Noises Off, by the way. I thought I heard my voice and just do your thing. <laughs> wow all right so i mean the character that i was playing is supposed to barge in unceremoniously on occasion anyway so i just picked a moment and walked on stage sometimes you just go close <laughs> enough right close enough we've all yep. had that all right uh, guys this was awfully fun um and i know that our listing audience has some stories that we don't know about by the way thanks for telling me about the footlocker um i did wonder you know it was one of those things but so <laughs> i will uh, to go back to that the, the the best part is jobo playing captain bracket when he said i don't know my line he's doing it it's a uso show so that the line i don't know my line fit perfectly because, again, he was on a stage. He now, couldn't have picked now, a better so spot. Sometimes what you think yeah. is going to be a horror story just turns out to be another magic moment, and that's why we love live theater. One of the many reasons. All right, yes, Stacey, why don't you – I've already made a plea. You make the plea to get people to send us their stories. Yes. Absolutely. Hopefully some of these stories that we told you guys tonight have sparked your memory of fun things that have happened in your past. Uh, as you've heard, it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be the biggest uh-oh moment, but 
sometimes funny stuff happens backstage and you just, you wish the audience knew so that they could be part of the inside joke. So this is your chance. Tell us your funny stories. Tell us your horror stories. Tell us about that prank you played on one of your, your fellow actors. We want to hear about it. Um, and we invite you to send it all to podcast at newtownplayers.org. You might be hearing your story read aloud on our show and, uh, Maybe we'll be inviting some of our storytellers yeah, to join us as guests. You know, just, just maybe. maybe. All right, I'm going to wrap this up. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Green Room. The Green Room was created by the Newtown Players. It's hosted by me, Stacey Oosterink. Thank you all for listening. Produced by the bosses, who have also been, like, the best co-hosts, um, Kenny Faison and Stacey Park. Our mixing engineer, and man, do the man is doing the Lord's work, because there are sometimes we give him a whole lot to work with. Uh, Timothy Joyce, you're an angel. Um, and the fan fantastic theme music that you hear every week was written um, and played by Hunter Martin. So you can find the Newtown Players on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So I want you to search for Newtown Players. That's Newtown with an E at the end of town, okay? Newtown Players. And you can listen to The Green Room on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. And if you've got an interesting idea for a future episode or a funny story, or you want to tell us how awesome we are, email us. We read everything. Podcast at newtownplayers.org. Again, that's Newtown with an E. Find us on the web at www.ntpshows.com. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Kenny and Stacy, for joining me on The Green Room. Mm -hmm.